Brooklyn is everything. Home to icons, bar racers, and startups who are just getting started. And for all who live here, home to great health care. New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital with doctors from Weill Cornell Medicine, a new center for community health, and endless empathy for everyone. Stay Brooklyn. Stay amazing. Hi, I'm Bonnie Curry, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word PEACE to 22433 for a seven-day free trial of Abide. Just text PEACE to 22433, and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, you know him, you love him, as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, there was a lot to report on for you, especially on Wednesday. A lot of stories going out. The schedule dropped. It's, I mean, we already knew who the opponents were going to be. We already knew what the strength of schedule was even before Wednesday's release of the schedule. But just the way it unfolds, you never know how it's going to shake out. I'm really worried about that, that five-game stretch coming out of the bye. Yeah, I mean, even before the bye, they have the Chargers, they have the Titans, the Chiefs, the Colts, and Cleveland in a row. I mean, yikes. It's it's not easy. I think it's the second uh, hardest schedule in the league this year. Yep. It's a little softer toward the end with the, the Bills, the Lions, and the Raiders. But damn, Chad, I mean, it's going to be tough for the Broncos uh, to break even, I think, past 8-8 this year. Yeah. I mean, the only silver lining, really, that I see looking at this schedule, and we'll, we'll of course, go through on a, on a, a set-aside an episode of the podcast to really analyze the schedule in depth, but before we get to today's proceedings, the only th- silver lining I see, Zach, on this schedule is if, by some chance, Vic Fangio and Joe Flacco and Rich Scangarillo have this squad hovering around or at 500 down the stretch and you get to Week 16 and 17 back-to-back home games to close out the season – against the Lions and the Raiders, respectively, you know, you might be able to strike oil and and jump in as a wild card. That's true, but the Raiders would like nothing more in that scenario than to spoil the Broncos' playoff hopes if it came down to that. But I will say, if they can overcome the uh, the before of the bye and the after the bye, if they're still in contention, I think they would have the medal, Chad, to pull it out and, and toward the end of the season and yeah. maybe eke out a wild card. You never know. It's just going to be a, a very uphill battle for uh, Fangio and Flacco this year. No doubt about it. And again, we look forward to kind of letting our hair down a little bit more with regard to the schedule we'll probably knock that out maybe next week for you we'll go and deep dive on that but today we have a great show planned for you of course we've been talking about it for weeks our war room round table we've got the fellas on the horn we're going to have them join in here in just a minute uh, but first a couple of quick matters of business you guys as always i won't take too much time here make sure you're following the show on twitter easy to do at huddle up pod Make sure you got your finger on the pulse of the show by following us on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. And guys, we're inching ever closer to our goal of 200 reviews on iTunes before the draft. There is still more than a snowball's chance, and you know what, to hit that goal. But we need each and every one of you 
to take this call to action to heart and help us get to 200 reviews on iTunes. So if you haven't taken time to do that, please take a second and get that done. And for those of you who have, Zach and I really appreciate that because you just, you have no idea how much that helps us compete and grow and reach new listeners on iTunes because most people, they jump on and they search, you know, Denver Broncos podcast. And the way that iTunes is going to present those results to the searcher is by ratings, okay? The number of ratings and the actual amount of stars on average that podcast is garnering. So take some time, get that done. Leave us a creative review on iTunes and a five-star rating. All right, so now we begin what we've been building up, what we've been talking about for the last several weeks, our War Room Roundtable Mock Draft. We're going to go seven rounds, and with us on the horn tonight, we have, of course, the duo of Building the Broncos, Carl Dummler and Nick Kendall. Boys, how you doing? Uh, doing Join Planet Fitness today and get more epic energy and better sleep with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs. Join for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See club for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Great, man. This is always one of my favorite podcasts of the year. Can't complain on my end. I wish I had my uh, my headset with me, but unfortunately, circumstance didn't make it that way. So going to make do. And man, we are one day from, or one week from the draft. Wish- Amen. We also have, of course, Eric Trickle joining us, who our listeners always love hearing drop some knowledge as it relates to the draft. Eric, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Really excited for this. I've been looking forward to, to this all day and actually helped me get through my work day. And then Zach and I, we actually tried to prime ourselves a little bit for this episode by doing a war room ourselves, just a two-man war room going through a seven-round mock draft last week, which was a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to this, but just a, a few ground rules for this uh, this mock draft, just so our listeners know. We're going to go through all seven rounds, and we're going to be using a simulator as usual. This time we're using the Draft Network simulator, their mock draft machine. And what we're going to do is, as we go through each pick the Broncos have, when the Broncos go on the clock, we're going to list to you, our listeners, who's on the board, the top you know rated prospects, maybe the top three to five rated prospects still available on the board. And then we're going to go we're going to set the clock in the first three rounds. We have 10 minutes total on each pick to come to consensus and make the selection. If we can't come to a consensus, since there's five of us, it's going to be whatever the majority is. Okay. And then in the final four rounds, rounds uh, four, five, six, and seven, we're going to go, we're going to cut it down to a five minute clock and try and keep this thing moving. So with those ground rules set, without further ado, let me kick off this mock draft, the war room, our round table, and here we go. First off, in this mock, for our listeners, what the number one pick was Nick Bosa, followed by, and I'm going to read these, I'm not going to go th- this much in depth on every single pick, but just for the sake of the top ten, the number one pick was Nick Bosa, followed by Josh Allen to the Niners, followed by Quinn Williams to the Jets, followed by Devin White to the Raiders, Rashawn Gary to the Bucks. Kyler Murray didn't go in this mock until number six to the New York Giants, followed by Jawan Taylor, the offensive tackle, to the Jaguars. 
TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, to the Lions, and then Ed Oliver is gone. He's off the board at pick nine to the Bills. So I'm going to set the clock. Here we go. Just so our listeners know, the top available guys, I mean, obviously you got Drew Locke still on the board. You got Dwayne Haskins. You got DK Metcalf. You got Montez Sweat. You got some of the edge rushers are still there, including most of the offensive tackles. So let me go ahead and start the the uh, clock. And Carl, what are you thinking? I think this pick has to come down to, to three guys. Others can disagree with me on this, but it's either Locke, Haskins, or Devin Bush. I mean, those are the three guys that seem to make the most sense. And for me personally, my highest guy on the board is, is Drew Locke. He's that quarterback that's the perfect fit for the Broncos. He, the, They want to be able to push the ball down the field. There's no better quarterback to push the ball down the field than Drew Locke. The reason I like him more than Haskins is mostly because of his ability outside the pocket. Haskins, he needs an offense where it's very figured out and and planned out, and he needs an offensive line that does their job, where Drew Locke is a guy that can come in, make plays off schedule, and when you get to the NFL, that is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And, I mean, just with the speed on defense, you need a quarterback that can do that. Drew Locke, I think he ran a 4.69 at the combine for his 40. So he's an athletic guy, big arm. That's my guy. Okay, Drew Locke. Carl's picking Locke. Eric, who do you got? I'd probably go with Drew Locke as well. It just comes down to just a couple things. There's not many other value guys here for me at pick 10. I mean, edge rusher, yeah, but Denver doesn't need an edge rusher this this early. Dwayne Haskins is rated higher on my personal board than Drew Locke, but when it comes to scheme fit, fitting with what the Broncos want to do, Drew Locke fits that better, and I'm tired of seeing the Broncos trying to fit square pegs into round holes. Go with the better scheme fit. That's a better scheme fits Drew Locke. Plus, you get a potential franchise quarterback of the future because Joe Flacco at 34 is not it. Okay, that's two for Locke. Nick, who you got? I'm going to go with Drew Locke here as well. For me, it's between Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke. And for me, it mostly comes down to upside and just the, the scheme fit. Uh, Drew Locke is a guy who is not going to be as dependent on his offensive line as Dwayne Haskins is. And I'm learning lessons from last year, you know, Last year, I was very much a Josh Rosen fan. I still think he can be great, but compared to Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, he's very much an an offensive line and pass protection dependent quarterback. And I see the same with Dwayne Haskins. He struggles a lot when you force him off a spot, when you force him to adjust his platform, whether it be on the move or just a different angle. And that's something that Drew Locke is a little bit better at. And Drew Locke, he does have the mechanical issues with his base, a little bit of a three-quarter motion, not as good, good at getting off his first read as Dwayne Haskins. But because he can sit a year behind Joe Flacco and just really feels like a great scheme fit uh, in this Rick Scangarello, Kyle Shanahan disciple West Coast offense, I'll probably go with Drew Locke. You know, a lot of people are comparing him to Jay Cutler at, from the skill set, not the personality standpoint, but the skill set. And Jay Cutler was drafted by Mike Shanahan uh, higher up on this West Coast offense. You know, farther down the disciple tree is then Kubiak, yeah, Mike. Kyle Shanahan, and now Rich Gangarello. So I'm going to take the guy who just feels like the, the perfect scheme fit here for the offense in Drew Locke. Okay, so we got three for Locke. That's already a majority. Let's see if we can come to consensus. Zach, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I'm going Locke as well. Uh, for me, it comes down to a quarterback, uh, Bush, or fans. And fan and Bush, to me, it's a little too early at 10. And in reality, I think Denver would probably trade back here if preferable. Uh, but they like Locke a lot. Elway supposedly is enamored with him. 
I agree with what everyone said. He's a better scheme fit in this offense. He doesn't have to be developed or played right away, be thrown into the fire. They can come along slowly with him. Whereas Haskins is more pro-ready. Locke offers a higher ceiling, Chad. And keeping consistent with what we talked about on the pod, um, I just think for Elway, at that pick, it's good value. And he has to take the guy uh, who could be a franchise option because I'm with Eric. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Flacco is not that guy, no matter what Elway says. <laughs> yeah, you've been uh, you've been hammering that peg home for well, since the, the trade was first uh, reported. So we got four for Locke. I, uh, I think it's no secret here. It's going to be a consensus. It's Drew Locke's going to be the pick here. And really, it's something that we've been talking about on both podcasts dating back to the kickoff of this offseason. But the Broncos, basically what they're dealing with here, they've got a 34-year-old Joe Flacco. And even if as optimistic as you want to be with regard to Flacco, and I think I'm relatively optimistic as it relates to him, The fact is, not everyone is John Elway, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady winning Super Bowls and competing for world titles late into their 30s. So the odds say that Flacco's not going to be that guy. And so the Broncos, it's in their best interest to hedge against that possibility by capitalizing on this rare moment, holding the 10th pick. The quarterbacks are there. Pick one of them. And Drew Locke, I agree with all four of you, would be the best fit for the Broncos. So the pick is in. The Denver Broncos at 10 select Drew Locke, quarterback, out of Missouri. And as this round one continues to kind of drain out, guys, what uh, what did you think of just, I mean, obviously it's a mock and it's a simulation, but all those defensive players going so quickly at the top of the draft, do you think there's a chance of that happening next Thursday night? I think you're going to see more quarter, quarterbacks go than that. I think you're going to see some teams trade up. It's just quarterbacks always go faster than you think. I, I look back to that 2011 draft, and even though quarterbacks were very, very low low rated, teams still went after them. And, I mean, it cost them, but at the same time, I, I just can't see that being as defensive heavy to start off the draft like that. Yeah, I agree. I think quarterbacks will go quicker. It's always you got to pay that quarterback tax, so – I do think quarterbacks go quicker, but a lot of those teams picking above the Broncos have taken quarterbacks pretty early, pretty recently. So I could see a run on defensive talent, and that just makes sense with how this this draft is playing out. You know, most of the top-tier talent is edge rusher or defensive line, and I expect that's how it's going to head pretty early. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a run on defensive players in the top nine. I actually expect a run on the defensive players outside of Kyler Murray going number one, which he didn't in this mock simulation. But outside of that, I think that two, three, four, I think you're pretty much set on a defensive lineman or edge rusher. And with the Raiders, I mean, if John Gruden gets his way, possibly you could see a quarterback getting there, going there. The Bucks seem set on Devin White. The Giants, word is that they want to get a guy who can get after the quarterback early on at number six, get their quarterback later. Then between the Jaguars, who they just went and signed Nick Foles, uh, they may go an offensive weapon there. They may go offensive line because they need some offensive line help. The Bills and Lions, no one really knows what they're doing. They can go so many different ways. And I think that if teams are going to trade up, that's going to be the potentially the spot where they're going to. But I think that even teams moving up at that point, they're going to be looking at defense. So I, I don't expect many offensive players to go in the top 10, maybe three at most. Okay. Well, thus concludes the first round, and we move on to the second here. And the Broncos hold the number 41 pick overall. And let me just read the last two names to go off the board. Justin Lane, the cornerback from Michigan State, went 39 to the Bucks, And the offensive tackle from Ole Miss, Greg Little, went pick previous to the Buffalo Bills. So, 
the players, before I hit the clock and serve this around the, the horn here, the players available, obviously Daniel Jones is still on the board, which surprises a lot of people on Twitter. For some reason, the idea of Daniel Jones slipping into round two is quite a shocker, but I could see that happening in reality. But uh, you got Daniel Jones, boys. You got Jerry Tillery's there from Notre Dame, the interior defensive lineman. Jeffrey Simmons, this is a real conversation that I think we all have to wrestle with. Even though you want impact players out of the gates from your premium picks, Jeffrey Simmons, you know, he might have to redshirt his rookie year. Best-case scenario, come in uh, second half of the season, be available maybe down the stretch for a team, but odds are redshirting his rookie year. But he comes back the following year, and you have a player on par with a Quinn and Williams type, a top-five caliber interior defensive lineman. So it's a conversation. I'm going to hit the, the, the clock here, the stopwatch. Ten minutes to go. Carl, your thoughts on this pick. And guys, by the way, before, if you need me to manipulate the position groups or anything, just say the word. Well, I'm, I'm going to start there with the Jeffrey Simmons conversation because I've gone back and forth on this. And I, I guess I keep asking myself this question. Do I think the Broncos are going to be Super Bowl contenders this next season? Because if not, then you're trying to set up for the next season. And honestly, I mean... As much as I would love to say the Broncos are going to be those Super Bowl contenders, we have to be honest with ourselves. They're a team coming off of two losing seasons in a row. They got that 34-year-old quarterback. We got in the first round a quarterback that's probably not going to play a whole lot unless the team is losing or Flacco gets hurt. And and so, again, it's it's one of those things. Is it best to set up for the next season? And, and if that's the case, then I, I feel like Jeffrey Simmons is this incredible value where you feel like you got two first round picks that really come into their own in year two for the Broncos. But again, there's Jerry Tillery, who I really like his game too. And he can be that day one player for you that can come in, be an impact uh, playing that five tech. Uh, so I, I'm going back and forth, honestly, between those two. That, that's where my, my conversation is going because, I mean, this is a deep wide receiver draft. It's not top-heavy, but it's deep, so you can find guys that you want later on. I don't really like Rocky Asin here in the second round. I think he's a decent cornerback, but I think there's other guys that I could rate pretty close to him later in the draft. So going between those two guys, I'm probably going to go high risk here, and I'm just going to take Jeffrey Simmons. Okay, boom, boom. And it's at least a conversation. We got one vote for Jeffrey Simmons. Eric, what are your thoughts here? Before I get my thoughts on who, can you just show me the tackles that are available? Yadni Kajus, Caleb McGarry, David Edwards, Dennis Daly, Titus Howard, Max Sharping, Chuma Edogas down there. All right. Well, I, I saw what I needed to, and I know who I'd go with. This is a top five talent. He would be number three on my personal board behind Quinnen Williams and Nick Bosa, respectively, as one and two. And that's Jeffrey Simmons. If he didn't get hurt there's no way we're, we're, we're not even talking about him falling to 10 in this draft. He would be going in the top top six at least. So this is a guy that foot injury, yeah, he might not play this year, but as Carl said is with the pick of Drew Locke and how I personally feel about this team, I don't see them being competitive this year. I mean, maybe borderline playoffs, maybe, but I think that going 500 is more realistic for them. So I think you got to build to next year. Jeffrey Simmons, he's a guy who, yeah, maybe he can come in and play later this year once he's recovered from that foot injury, but I'll just redshirt him this year. Plus, 
you have three defensive linemen that are impact players on the Broncos that are set to be free agents after the season. Derek Wolf, Adam Godson, and Shelby Harris. Not all three of those guys are going to be back. you got to do something to help at least ease the impact of losing most likely at least one of them and possibly even two, depending on how money works out. Okay, so Jeffrey Simmons is the pick for Carl and Eric. Nick, what are your thoughts here? And let's keep in mind, what the, to speak to both of what those guys had to say, the Broncos have the second toughest schedule by strength of schedule in 2019. That was just released Wednesday night. We're recording this episode Wednesday night. So it's going to be no cakewalk. I think if the expectations in the Mile High City are realistic, they know that they're going to be hovering around 500 in a best-case scenario, maybe 9-7, and seven possibly 10 and six yeah for me it really comes down to like they said jeffrey simmons and jerry tillery jeffrey simmons is one of my favorite players in this entire class uh like they said you know top five talent easily a guy compares favorably to ndamak and sue and fletcher cox when healthy there is the assault that does need to be about that he had before he came to college and there is also the acl so you're you're drafting if you do take Simmons, you're drafting two players that are going to have minimal to no impact year one in Drew Locke and then Jeffrey Simmons. So that does need to be discussed. I've something I said before. Mm-hmm. Carl put me on the spot a, a little bit ago, uh, a few weeks ago, that maybe you know if the Broncos did take Locke, then I wouldn't consider Simmons round two because then you're going to have issues with you know you need to have in, some sort of impact year one. So man, it's really hard for me. I think though we just recorded a podcast yesterday where we had the pound the pound the table for your guy, stand on the table for your guy, and Jeffrey Simmons is one of my dudes. So I'm gonna come back around. I'm I'm building for the future here. I know everything. Everybody's pre- talking about win now for the Broncos this off season, but you know what? It needs to be a little bit of win now and win later. And when a talent like this hits you in the face, perfect scheme fit. I I just I can't surpass it. So I'm gonna go with Jeffrey Simmons, my dude. Okay, that's three for Simmons. Now, Zach, you've been skeptical as to the Broncos' prospects in 2019, and fair enough. I mean, three consecutive seasons, missing the playoffs. As exciting as the addition of Vic Fangio and the coaching staff and some of the free agents they signed and Joe Flacco can be, we also have to temper that with the realism of what this team is facing. Can you pass on a a transcendent type of talent like Jeffrey Simmons, notwithstanding the fact that he's got the knee? I don't think Fangio will, but you know, to Carl's point, I agree with his premise that Denver isn't a title contender this year, but I don't think Elway sees it that way. He legitimately sees Denver as, as a title contender, as a Super Bowl contender, and I think he'll draft in that in that mindset. That being said, though, it's really down to Simmons versus Tillery today. Uh, Tillery's a great player. He was the last Broncos prospect they held a uh, top 30 visit with today. But, you know, Simmons, he'll be ready next year. He has the best DL coach in the business in Bill Kalar. Um, Like uh, Eric said, they have some talent that will be leaving in the next couple of years. You can't pass that up. You can stash him away, and you're getting a potential pro bowler in the future. So uh, give me Jeffrey Simmons all day. Okay, we're coming to consensus here because I'm going to follow suit with my four dudes here and go with Jeffrey Simmons just because you got to be realistic. And what the Broncos have today is really what they're going to have to – try and make some hay with basically is is drew Locke's going to sit maybe he gets inserted late in the season if flacco flounders jeffrey simmons is a wait and see selection that's going to hopefully pay dividends in 2020 and beyond but oh the dividends it could it could pay so we're taking jeffrey simmons interior defensive lineman out of mississippi state at pick 41 and uh, just going around the board while we finish out the round carl just quickly what does he bring to the defense uh, for the broncos he's He's everything that you want right now. I'm thinking of 
like Chris Jones for the Chiefs. I, I'm thinking of Fletcher Cox for for the Eagles. I mean, you're, you're talking about some of the top interior guys, and then you plug him between Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. I mean, you're, every quarterback that is going to play the Broncos in 2020 is going to be sitting there saying, "What do we do?" I, I, seriously, I mean, how you can't block all three. The Broncos don't have to bring any kind of blitzes, hardly ever, because those three can win easily. You can't double all of them. And so either teams are going to have to do max protect or they're just going to have to really try to throw the ball as quick as possible. It's just it sets up for some incredible things that they can do on defense. So I, I love the player. I Watching him, I mean, there's just entire games where he just absolutely destroys people. Uh, I can remember watching Sue because, I mean, I, I, I'm i in Kansas. So watching Nebraska football is just kind of a given. And I remember watching Sue, and there was times where double, triple teams couldn't stop him. And that's what I can see with Simmons sometimes. It's just – it's incredible to watch. Okay, guys. Well, hey, we've uh, we've still got a minute and a half left on this clock. Anything that, Eric, Nick, you guys want to add to this pick before we move on? Yeah, I just want to add, too, what really stands out to me is that he absolutely destroyed Iowa this last year. And so that immediately moves him up my board. <laughs> uh, Nick, how did you feel about that? Well, uh, after the Iowa game, a coach went up to Simmons and told him that he was the best player they've played in the last five years. He was just absolutely dominant. I think he had two sacks on the first possession and a tackle for loss. Uh, I love the versatility. There are some questions. I mean, obviously, you have the off-field issues. He's not perfect. Yeah, sometimes he struggles against double teams when he's playing that zero tech one position, one tech position, which honestly I don't think that's going to be such an issue in a one gapping scheme. And also he needs to work on his counters. You know, he's really good at with his twitch getting off that first move, the hump move, everything is really good, but he needs to work on some counters if he does get stymied at first. But give give him to Bill Kohler, a guy who's been considered a leader on and off the field since his incident. You know, coaches talk highly about him, teammates talk highly about him. Teachers talk highly about him. He just seems like a great fit. And if he wasn't injured, honestly, and he was on the board at 10, I would have taken him over Drew Locke. That, that'd be my dude. He, I really love his game. Okay. We move out of round two and into the third round. The Broncos hold the 71st overall pick. The last two selections to go before the Broncos here are, or were, the tight end from Texas A&M, Jace Sternberger, to the Jaguars and the linebacker who he's hot and cold on some boards. He's, he's a, you know, top 100 ranked on others. You can see him in the sixth and seventh round, likely due to his shoulder and injury issues. Blake Cashman from Minnesota on the board. Daniel Jones is still on the board in this simulation. And when I did that seven round mock, the last one I did, you know, the Broncos had their cake and eat it too type deal because they were able to get an impact player in TJ Hawkinson at pick 10 and Daniel Jones in round two, and I was getting crap that, oh, there's no way Daniel Jones would be there in round two, and here he is in round three. Now, we don't necessarily need to go down that road because we're not taking a quarterback, but I just think that's curious. Besides Daniel Jones, the top rated on this board at the Draft Network include Juan Thornhill, the safety at Virginia, the offensive tackle from Washington, Caleb McGarry, the Broncos do need a swing tackle, the speedy wideout from Ohio State, Terry McLaurin, among others. Now, I'm going to reset the clock, and here we go. Carl, what are you thinking here? If you need me to manipulate the position groups, of course, say the word. Can you show me the interior offensive line, guys? So we've got okay. Drew Samia, Ben Powers, Connor McGovern, are the top three rated on the board. Okay. You can go back to the all board. Okay. Can you scroll down a little bit on the all board? Just to kind of see. 
Who's there? Scrolling down. Here we go. So we've got Dawson Knox. If we wanted to take a tight end, we got Drax Raymond, um, or Dax Raymond, excuse me. Dawson Knox, David Long, the corner from Michigan. Riley Ridley, wide out from Georgia. Ooh, Zach Allen, boys. We just took Jeffrey Simmons, though. We did just take Jeffrey Simmons, but, man, this I love Zach Allen. Um, Carl, your thoughts? All right. I'm going to go with Amani Hooker, safety of Iowa. And uh, Nick has really convinced me on this guy. I've watched him a little bit, but just I, I do think he is that perfect scheme fit when you're talking about what Vic Fangio loved to do with his safeties. I think Hooker fits that perfect. And so being able to bring him in, one, it gives you more competition at the safety position because I really don't think that they're sold on Will Parks. I mean, you look at how many safeties they tried to sign this offseason and just couldn't quite get it done. That should be sign enough that they're not they're not okay with where their safety group is at. And and so it's either they're gonna move Jackson to to safety and and try to find another cornerback, or they're gonna try to find a safety in this draft and keep him at cornerback. And for me, Hooker here in the third round, I think that's good value. Uh, I think he is a guy that really could come in and compete for a lot of snaps. He can help on special teams, he can do a lot of things for the Broncos. I I thought about a couple of the tight ends. But this is such a deep tight end draft. I still think you can get a quality guy later in in some of the other rounds. And so I'm kind of waiting on that where safety, I think you're starting to run out of players here. And so I like I said, that that's gonna be my guy, Amani Hooker. Okay. Eric, who are you thinking here? Once again, I'm actually gonna agree with Carl. I think Amani Hooker, he's the guy. Um I've heard rumors and speculation and talk that the Broncos have actually been fielding phone calls about Will Park's availability and that they've at least seen had some interest there. There's also been a lot of talk about Kareem Jackson moving back and playing some safety and just being a true defensive back. And they do want to improve their safety play. They want to get a true strong safety guy there who can move Justin Simmons to that free safety role. Pamani Hooker, he's he's ideal for as a strong safety and a cover two scheme that the Vic Fangio and the Broncos are going to be running. I absolutely love his play, even though he's played for Iowa. I really like him. I love what he brings to the table, immediate contributor on special teams and just can do everything. He can come down and handle tight ends and handle people out of the slot, can play that double high safety role, can play in the box and play well. Really love the play that he brings. Thinks he's an, another perfect fit for what the Broncos want to do. And Nick can correct me on this, but he wasn't a team captain, but I've heard talk that he was actually still quite the leader at Iowa, which is something that, that we saw last year that was really interesting or that really drew the Broncos interest in players. Right. Okay. So that's two for hooker. Nick, I don't know how much you need to be talked into going elsewhere, but what are your thoughts here in round three for the Broncos? I am looking at Hooker, but I'm also looking at Juan Thornhill. I really think that he is a little bit, he's more athletic, and I think he's even more versatile. He's played outside the cornerback at Virginia, and he's played the deep safety, and he put up just crazy numbers at the combine. I mean, 98th percentile vertical jump, 99th percentile broad jump, ran a 4-4-2-40, and I think, you know, we talk about Hooker's versatility, and I think that, Juwan, Juwan Thornhill. I think Hooker's a perfect fit for the scheme, but I think Thornhill is athletic enough and versatile enough that he might even be scheme transcendent. So I'm having a hard time going back and forth between these two. And 
honestly, just to be contrarian and not to be a total homer, I'm going to lean with uh, Juwan Thornhill. I've heard a lot of talk about him being a, a top 40 prospect, top 50 prospect, where Hooker to me is more of a true round three, maybe early round four guy. So I'm going to trust my board. I have Juwan Thornhill higher on my board. And as much as I like Hooker, I think he's a perfect scheme fit. I'm going to go with the versatility, the upside, the athleticism, and potentially even a high-end cornerback in Juwan Thornhill, although I'll start him at safety. Okay. A fly in the ointment for the first time. We do not have consensus. Zach, what are you thinking here? I, I was looking at McLaurin only because you have Joe Flacco with a big arm. You have Drew Locke with a big arm. You need that burner type. They don't have it on the roster now. Uh, I think you can get a, a the decent type of nine wide receiver who runs just that route later in the draft, though. And his safety, I agree with the fact that Will Parks is a good, not great player. Uh, he's definitely replaceable. He's nice to have, but he's a backup type, and they need a starter there. Uh, Hooker is great value in the third round, so everything that's already said about him, I, I agree with, and I, I would take him and, and keep building up Fangio's defense. Okay, so that's three for Hooker. One for, is it Juan or Juwan, Nick? Thornhill. I was here, Juwan. Okay, because that's just the traditional way to spell Juan, like Juan Williams. Okay. Yeah, no, I've always heard Juwan. Juwan. All right, so Juwan Thornhill, Nick's going that direction. And I'll be honest, I haven't watched any film on Juwan Thornhill, but I have on Imani Hooker. So, And I like the overall concept that everyone's thinking here, that we need an impact player for the Broncos at uh, this pick, someone who can step in and fit the role that Vic Fangio needs for the safety position on, on this defense, which – you know, obviously they're going to lean on Justin Simmons quite heavily once again, but not in the same way they did last year where they're having him play just about every position in the defensive backfield. He'll he'll be able to stay at that single high safety role and play free and, and run and make plays. They need a guy who can be moved around, matched up with tight ends, lay a hit, can cover. So I'm going to trust in what I've already seen in Hooker and admit that I haven't watched much of Thornhill and go with Hooker here as well. So that's 4-1. to one. The selection is Amani Hooker, safety out of Iowa. And I'm going to spin this the opposite direction as we get into the next round, guys. And uh, Nick, just tell us, since you, you went a different direction, what Hooker would bring to this, this defense that Fangio's cooking up. Well, Hooker, he doesn't have the, the man ability or the outside-inside versatility that I'd see with Juwan Thornhill or the single high. But as far as a cover two scheme and cover three, I think he is a really good fit. He, one thing that he has that the Broncos would certainly be excited about is that he has instincts and ball skills for days. A lot of plays on the ball, and there's there's two different types of ball skills when it comes to defensive backs. It's, it's attacking the catch point, and it's taking the ball away. And Hooker has been good at both you know disrupting the catch point with batted balls at the at the at the catch point as well as interceptions you know he has a couple pick sixes over the past few seasons as well also extremely good at accepting and passing off uh, route runners in his zone and he can bait quarterbacks too i mean week one this year he had one of my favorite plays of the entire year where he has had a shallow zone he covered three different guys in this play in his zone he took first it was a the see up the seam he took a tight end then he took a guy coming across in a crossing route and then he saw the quarterback was going to go deep he dropped from that zone and took took away the ball at the goal line with an interception so really like his play i do worry that he doesn't have extreme twitchiness overall you know that's he's not really he's more of an in-control player than an explosive player and he doesn't have a really long arm length so that sometimes can be an issue with wrapping up ball click ball carriers but overall i mean Really good player. You're going to get a solid player. I don't know if he has elite upside, but he's going to be a longtime contributor. And like we've talked about here, just a really perfect scheme fit for a cover two. Okay. Can I just make one quick comment yeah, about Thornhill? 
So the only reason why I didn't go Thornhill, and I really thought about it, is because he is way too similar for to Justin Simmons for me. I think that if you had selected him, you're having the same issue Denver had last year, where they're having two natural free safeties trying to play both safety spots. Okay. Yeah, and I thought that too. He's just for me, he was higher on my board. With Simmons going to be a free agent next year, I'm very much going with the the mindset of let the board fall at it, fall it as as it is. Don't try to go with need or fit too much. Just take talent. So I, 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 I'm fine with either of them. I like both of them. So Okay. All right, guys. We move on to the fourth round. The Broncos hold pick 125. The last two players off the board were the running back from Texas A&M, uh, A&M Travion Williams, and then the corner from Washburn, Corey Ballantyne, going to the Seattle Seahawks. Now, before I hit this, you know, really in our first three picks so far, we've only gotten one player in Denver who can make an immediate impact in Imani Hooker. But I see someone right now. I don't think we can afford to wait. I, I'm sure you guys are seeing what I'm seeing. Before I start the clock here, obviously the Broncos still need an off-ball linebacker. we got to help the offensive line. There's still some needs we got to take a look at and try and find the best players available at these positions. So, Carl, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, the top guys, actually, before we, before we jump in, um, that are rated on the board, just so our listeners know what we're – you know, evaluating Will Greer, Eric's favorite quarterback, is available at pick ninety-three or rank ninety-three. But you got the wide receivers here. Also, we got to consider Miles Boykin from Notre Dame, Darius Slayton. There's uh, Antoine Wesley, Jacoby Myers, Rodney Anderson, the running back from Oklahoma. So there's also the idea of adding and infusing the offense. Zach brought up the fact that the Broncos need that burner, which is true. I don't know necessarily if this is the point to get it, but. As I serve this up, guys, these are things we have to consider. I'm hitting the, the clock. Here we go. Carl, tell me what you're thinking. Well, the the name you were kind of hinting at for us, and, and, and it makes total sense, is Jermaine Pratt. I mean, this guy is an absolute we're, – we're talking about value and imperfect scheme fit. I mean, athletic guy, can cover, can come down, make some plays in the backfield – Struggles a little bit to get off some blocks a little bit. I mean, that, that's just something that's going to come with more time and 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 practice. I mean, because he was playing safety when he first came to college, moved to linebacker. That's why he's such a great player in coverage. And again, I mean, I think he's a guy that could really fight to to start day one for the Broncos because he is such a perfect fit. But it, it's one of those. It's it's hard here because I know with the the way that the draft network board works. They have him pretty low. They're not as high as on him as, as I know a lot of us are. And so it's one of those, maybe we could get somebody else and get him at the next pick. But if I'm being realistic, if he's there, I'm running to the, to the podium. I mean, I, I'm tackling uh, the, the commissioner to get him out of the way and make that announcement before anybody else realizes he's still on the board. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, if I'm being honest, that would be where my pick goes. Jermaine Pratt. Okay. Eric, what are you thinking here? Well, I saw that my long forgotten lost son is still on the board, my spirit animal. And once again, I'm going with what Carl's pick. I absolutely love Jermaine Pratt's play. This is going in the fourth round is way too low for him and what he brings to a defense. This is a guy that I can't remember exactly when, but it was November or December last year when I started talking to Nick about him. Absolutely love his play and coverage. He is a little bit tight in the hips, but I think that he's a good enough athlete to overcome it. He does have issues getting off blocks, but that's what you have Todd Davis and Josie Jewell there for. He's going to be that guy that they want to keep free to try to go and fly behind the line of scrimmage and make a play. His sideline is the sideline speed. It's not great. It's not like Devin Bush's, but if it was, he would be going a lot higher than this. 
but it's good enough for the NFL level. Absolutely love the play. Carl talked about it, about his being a former defensive back, and he still moves like a former defensive back in coverage. Guy can come out, tight ends, not a problem. Running backs, not a problem. Absolutely love his play. It's Jermaine Pratt for me all the way. Okay. Nick, what are you thinking here? I'm leaning towards Jermaine Pratt, but I'd like to see the tight ends and the wide receivers. All right. At tight end, we got Elise Mack, if I pronounce that correctly, from Notre Dame. Caden Smith, who we got a chance to talk to from Stanford. Broncos have at least shown an interest or expressed an interest, at least at, at bare minimum, a due diligence type of interest in Caden Smith. But who knows? It could be more. Um, Isaac Nuata from Georgia. Trevon Wesco. Who else did what other? Serta Pro Painters have powers beyond those of ordinary painters. The power of timeliness. We show up when we say we will, on time and fully caffeinated. The power of transformation. Also known as making your house look so good, your neighbors will be jealous. The power of certainty. That's your local Serta Pro Painters. The power of pro. Get your project started at SertaPro.com. Each Serta Pro Painters business is independently owned and operated. Position. A wide receiver, and I'd also like to see offensive line. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'd like to see my options here. Okay, Miles real, Boykin. Um, Sorry, real quick. It's Elise. Elise Mack. Okay, thank you. Miles Boykin, Darius Slayton, Antoine Wesley, Jacoby Myers, Demarcus Lodge, Stanley Morgan Jr., Terry Godwin is are the top-rated wide receivers. Offensive tackles I'll jump to real quick. The USC kid, Chuma Adoga, who we've written quite a bit. Eric's written quite a bit about him on the on the website. Bobby Evans from Oklahoma, Tyler Romer is there, Donnell Green, and then Interior OL. Take a quick look here. Ben, uh, or Bo Benchwa. How do you say that, boys? Ben Benchwa. Okay. Phil Hayes, Wake Forest, Javon Patterson, Ole Miss, Lamont Galliard, uh, Georgia. So that kind of covers it, Nick. I, I am leaning Jermaine Pratt, but I do think that Bobby Evans is somebody I am a little bit intrigued with. I feel like he's being slept on right now. He's an offensive tackle, but I do think he has some inside-outside a little ability as well. And the Broncos really do need a shot in the arm as far as the offensive line goes. I feel like they are pretty set at tackles, but man, that interior offensive line right now is sketchy at best. So I will lean. I will lean with Jermaine Pratt. But if somebody had a change of heart and wanted to go with Bobby Evans, because I do think again he's an inside-outside guy in my opinion, especially in a zone blocking scheme, I think he'd be a good zone blocking guard. I'd have no issue with that. But I will lean with the uh, consensus here with Jermaine Pratt. I was hoping that Josh Oliver or another tight end was still yeah. on the board, but unfortunately, that's not it. So I'm fine with Jermaine Pratt. If anybody was feeling offensive line, though, I would have no issue. Okay. So we got three for Jermaine Pratt. Zach, what are you thinking, my friend? Uh, yeah, Nick just stole the words from my mouth. I wanted a tight end here, and I wanted Josh Oliver. I kind of don't like the Broncos' options. I was looking at Caden Smith. It might be a little too early for him, though. Uh, the Broncos need an inside linebacker, and Pratt is just tremendous value here, and uh, the consensus seems to point toward him. Uh, I'm willing to go with him. I think in real life they wouldn't go three defenders in a row, uh, but this isn't real life, and I think in real life Pratt wouldn't be here anyway. So you've got to take the value here, and you've got to keep building up that defense uh, and, and finally get, hopefully, Tom Davis out of that starting lineup. Yeah, 
I agree. Jermaine Pratt, it is. We have a, a consensus of sorts because Nick, well, it's a consensus. Nick had his doubts, but he went with Jermaine Pratt. But, I mean, this is to me, you guys, and for our, our draft experts here, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but to me, Jermaine Pratt has the type of sneaky ability where if he goes to the right team, the right scheme, gets the right opportunity, could have maybe not necessarily quite as dominant an all-pro season, but a similarly high-profile campaign as a rookie as Darius Leonard did in Indianapolis last year with that type of skill set, Eric? I don't think he would obviously play to that level, but I don't think he'd actually be that far behind it. And it's because the scheme of it, the Vic Fangio, he likes to have that cover guy, and he always has that other linebacker that's working to try to keep him clean in the running game. And that's what we're going to see here in Denver. That's what Josie Jewell or Todd Davis, that's what their job's going to be. And both of them can be excellent doing that role to help Jermaine Pratt. So I don't think that he would be quite as high of a level to where he's, what, defensive player of the year? But I think that he could have a very good year in that role with the Broncos. Okay, so that's the first four rounds, first four picks for the Broncos. Just to review, Drew Locke at 10, Jeffrey Simmons at 41, Amani Hooker, the safety at 71, and then Jermaine Pratt at 125. Now we move to the fifth round in which the Broncos have two selections. We, I think we got to do something offensively here, boys, whether it's tight end, a skill position, wide receiver, or especially the offensive line. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, let me just list the last two players to go. Dalen Mack is a guy I think a lot of us like. Trey Watson went uh, the pick previous to the linebacker uh, to Maryland or from Maryland to Buffalo. So that's uh, the last two picks. And then as far as the top-rated uh, players on the board, according to Draft Network's board anyway, there's Antoine Wesley, wideout, Demarcus Lodge, wideout. Whoops. All wide receivers. That's all. Is, am I on all here? I mean, what the heck? No, it's all wide receivers. So maybe we've just found a, a glitch in their system, but – Kingsley Kiki's here, but that's defense once again. So a lot of wide receivers still on the board to choose from. There's some talent there. Uh, but also, I think we got to think about offensive line here and tight end. So let me go ahead and start the clock. Now, remember, we got to go a little bit more rapid fire here, boys, on our evaluation. We're down to a five-minute clock. I'm hitting start. Carl, go. Well, can you show me the offensive line and tight end options? All right, so just, off, just off, offensive tackle, Evans is still on the oh. board. Nick's boy, Bobby Evans, is still there. Tyler Romer, Ryan Bates, their top three-rated offensive tackles. Interior, uh, the center from Wisconsin, Phil Hayes, Javon Patterson, and then tight end, we have Caden Smith also still on the board, followed, followed by Isaac Nauta, Nauta from Georgia and uh, Trevon Wesco. Okay, well, I, I'm going to go Bobby Evans here. Mostly because the tight end group, there's still some tight ends I really like. And uh, especially Foster Moreau, he's one of those guys I think is going to be sneaky good. That's probably going to play a lot better than what he gets drafted. And and so the offensive line, it's always tough. They always go fast. Uh, and, and he is, like Nick said, he's a very versatile player that I think could fit very well with the Broncos and what they want to do. Okay. Bobby Evans, Eric, what are you thinking here? I'd actually... There's an offensive guard that I really like that I would absolutely love here, but and I also don't see the position versatility as much in Evans as Nick and Carl do. So I'm going to go with the guy I absolutely love at offensive guard. Another perfect scheme fit. I love his athleticism. He can swing out to tackle if need be in an emergency situation. I did look at, at tight ends. Not to, I think this is a little bit early for him. Boston Moreau, this is a guy that in this range, I could be considering him. 
but I want to go. I want to get that into your offensive lineman. I'm going with Zach Bailey out of South Carolina or North Carolina State. Team captain as well. Okay, Zach Bailey off uh, is Eric's. Nick, what are you thinking? I'm thinking Bobby Evans or Lamont Gaird from Georgia. I think Evans, specifically in a zone scheme, can play guard. He doesn't have the power or that I'd love for a power scheme at the guard, but I think he can play there in the NFL, and they really need a guy to push Garrett Bowles and offer some versatility there. I mean, Juwan James, injury history, et cetera. So I, 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 I would do lean Bobby Evans here. Okay. That's two for Evans. Zach, what are you thinking here? We could also take a look at tight end and wide receiver, but what are your thoughts? Again, I, I like Caden Smith. I just think it's around too early or so for him. And the Broncos desperately need offensive line help, Chad. We talk about it almost every episode that they haven't had that developmental prospect, that long-term guy they can build, you know, build up in the trenches with Mike Munchak. Now you have Garrett Bowles who struggles traditionally. You have Juwan James who's had some injuries, injury um, history. I, you need that guy. So it, to me, the best guy on the board is Bob Evans. I love his food, Bobby Evans. So I'm going with him. <laughs> You like what he's cooking. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and go with the consensus. We got – well, no, not the consensus, the majority, and go with Bobby Evans. And look at the implications here, guys. The pick's going to be 4-1 to one for Bobby Evans. The Broncos got themselves a swing tackle, ideally maybe someone to push Garrett Bowles. Now he's got a, a drafted offensive tackle at least, someone that the team has some kind of an investment in any sense of entitlement that he might have. Hopefully that's going to be worked out by Mike Munchak. But at worst, even if everything's copacetic with Garrett Bowles, the Broncos don't really have a swing tackle right now. They just cut the Big Dane, Andreas Knapp. I mean, maybe you've got Elijah Wilkinson, who they transitioned inside last year after basically serving as a practice squad tackle for at least one season. So they don't really have anything there. Billy Turner's gone. Jared Vilder's still out there on the market, but... I like the idea of taking the, the top-rated tackle here in Bobby Evans and, as you guys say, a great scheme fit. So I'm going to go ahead and make the selection so that we can move to the second pick here in round five. I'm going to restart the clock here, boys. And uh, the last two picks were Kendall Sheffield, the corner from Ohio State, going to Carolina, and the wide receiver Antoine Wesley going to the Browns. Now, We'll go and take a quick look just so our listeners have a visual of what we're seeing here. The top-rated players on the board, once again, is just a, a series of wide receivers. So, again, we're finding some kind of glitch in their system, possibly. I don't know. So we'll go off of the draft knowledge and the board uh, value that we have here as analysts and especially leaning on our three draft experts. Guys, I'm going to serve this over to, to starting with Carl. You tell me where you want to look, and I'll open up the position. We're going on the clock with five minutes right now. You go, Carl. Can you go to inside offensive line? Interior O-line. We've got uh, the Wisconsin center. I'll butcher, butcher his name. Phil Haynes, Lamont Gilliard's still there. So there's a chance that uh, we could go in that direction. And Eric, who was it you picked in that last go-round? Zach, Zach Bailey. Bailey. So Zach Bailey's also still on the board. I'm not sure, Carl, how you and Nick feel about him, but those are the options there. Well, I'm, I'm either going Lamont Gaylord or or Zach Bailey. I mean, because both those guys could be day one starters for the Broncos. And when you're getting them here, mid fifth round pick, that that's a huge value. It's again, position of need. They're needing at least depth on the offensive line, if nothing else. And Zach Bailey, he's a guy you can plug in there at that right guard spot. And then you can keep Connor McGovern there as center, or you can do the opposite and go uh, the, the guy from Georgia 
and plug him in as center and move McGovern back to his guard spot where I think he was a little bit more comfortable last year. And so it's kind of a back and forth. I'll, I'll go with, with Zach Bailey here. I, I mean, uh, Eric did a pound the table for this guy and, and just really got me on board of thinking this guy's a perfect fit for the Broncos and what they want to do. And uh, I, I can't disagree with him. And so okay. Zach Bailey's my guy. Now, Eric, I assume your your thoughts haven't changed here, but is there anything you want to add to this? Can you show me tight ends real quick? Tight ends, we've got still on the board, Isaac Nauta, or Nauta, how we pronounce that, from Georgia, Trevon Westco, Foster Moreau are the top three rated. Now, I know I just got done talking about Zach Bailey, but I'm looking at who we've selected. We've gotten a quarterback, defensive line, safety linebacker, and an offensive tackle who my counterparts, Nick and Carl, believe can play inside. I'm looking at it, and I think that there's one position that we absolutely have to address, and we have to address it before the good talent is gone. There's one guy left at tight end I see that Denver needs. That's Foster Morrow. It hurts me because I do love Zach Bailey so much, but at this point, it's I got to get that tight end. Maybe Zach Bailey will be able to fall a little bit more. I don't think Foster Morrow will be able to make it to the Broncos' next pick. So I'm going to go with the tight end out of LSU. Interesting. So – what swings Eric's pick here is the fact that we just took a versatile offensive lineman there, so to double up, now he's thinking tight ends. Nick, what are you thinking? I'm agreeing with Eric here just because the the ability of Foster Moreau really fits what the Broncos want. He's a really just a kick-butt blocker in line. I mean, that dude got after it at LSU to the point where they didn't even really utilize him as a wide receiver or a receiving tight end. He does have work that he still needs to do there. You know, he's not the most dynamic in creating space and separating in that regard, despite how well he tested at the combine. I mean, really good tester at the combine. Tested better than TJ Hawkinson in most of the athletic testing. Uh, But I think he's got a chance to be a two-way tight end. But at worst, you're getting a really, really good inline blocker. And seeing how guys like Jesse James, Tyler Croft, and Nick Boyle got paid this offseason, guys who are just essentially blockers at the tight end position, I think that's that's a value. And the Broncos want to be a running team. You got to get a tight end who can open up a can of whoop, whoop ass. Excuse my French. <laughs> so uh, give me Foster Moreau. Okay. Now this is great because for, for Zach and I, it's great to listen to you guys wax poetic and deep dive on some of these prospects getting later into the draft because this gives us an opportunity to learn about these prospects i can't disagree with what the majority is so far here zach we just went offensive line as much as zach bailey and bolstering the interior with a legit interior player is if indeed foster moreau is the last really solid option at tight end it's it would be this what the third draft in a row the broncos would go tight end in the fifth round but Foster Moreau, at worst, steps in. He can be that inline blocker, which the Broncos don't have right now. They don't have a blocker, basically. I mean, Hireman's their best bet, and he's, you know, kind of so-so. But what are you thinking here, Zach? Yeah, I actually wouldn't mind doubling up and, and kind of solidifying the trenches with offensive linemen, but they need that blocker. I, I don't have any faith in Jay Buck coming back from that ACL. I don't have any faith in Fumagalli right now coming back from Sports Hernia. I'm not a big Hireman fan. Um, he would fit this scheme pretty well and give Joe Flacco another weapon. And we all know how Joe Flacco loves his tight end. So uh, he's, he's the best on the board. I defer to the draft experts here. Give me Murrow. Oh, man. So I've got a – all right, so actually we've got the we got the majority. So Foster Murrow is going to be the pick, but just for the sake of, of uh, you know, being thorough, I'm going to go ahead and go with Murrow as well just because – 
the Broncos need an upgrade there. And even though it would be weird to take a tight end three years in a row in the fifth round, you just keep going until you land something. And the last two guys they've taken, even though they're, the upside has been there and the potential has been there in both Jake Butt and Troy Fumagalli, it hasn't come out in the wash yet because of the Datgum injury bug. So the selection here is Foster, Moreau, and I'll swing this back to Carl. Now, you wanted Zach Bailey, but what are your thoughts on what Moreau brings to the table? Oh, I, I do think he is a great fit for the Broncos and and what they need a tight end and, and has high potential to become an all-around tight end for him. And, and so I, I have no disagreement with that pick at all. I I mean, again, you can't trust what's on the, the roster right now. And the Broncos have to do something at that tight end position. And there's no better draft than this one to get a high-quality player. Even here, we're talking fifth round. Most drafts, this guy would be a third-round pick. I mean, I would have him rated way over Hireman when they picked him. And, I mean, I thought that was a reach pick anyway at that point But when they, they made that pick. Yep. But I, I like Foster Moreau a lot more than I ever did uh, Hireman coming out. So this is great value for the Broncos, another guy that they can really use as a weapon and it will help out in the run game as I know that they're going to be a, a very run-heavy team this year. And I, I think, again, he can develop into a sneaky weapon on the offense. I just want to touch on something that Carl said. Yeah. And that is about how Foster Moreau would be higher in a normal draft. And that is so spot on. I actually really liked Jeff Hireman when he was coming out of college. And he obviously hasn't met expectations because I wish he wasn't resigned. But I actually have Foster Moreau graded higher than I had Jeff Hireman when he came out of college. Hmm. So. Okay. So good value here for the Broncos on their second, fifth round pick. But now we must move on to round six. There's two picks left to go here, gentlemen. The Broncos hold pick 182 in the sixth round. The last two to go were the tight end, Drew Sample, to the Giants, and then the corner, Derek Thomas. Now, before we actually go and hit the clock here, the top-rated players, according to Draft Network, once again, it's a run on wide receivers. We're, we're finding the glitch in their system. But um, just to speak to what our, our brief here should be, we still haven't gotten a wide receiver. We haven't gotten that burner, and maybe we could look in the seventh round. But I'll leave it up to you guys to kind of deduce maybe what the, the, the priority should be here. Carl, I'm going to go ahead and hit the clock. We've got five minutes. Remember, guys, we've been doing great on time, by the way. We've been staying within our window on each and every pick, so kudos to everybody. Carl, you tell me how you want me to manipulate this thing, and we are on the clock. I guess, uh, can you can you go just to the wide receivers? I know that's most of these guys on here, but it just go a little bit deeper into. Okay. okay. So Preston Williams, Travis Fulgham, David Stills the fifth, Anthony Johnson. Whoa, just took a jump. Ooh, I do see a guy, Deontay Johnson, Ooh. wide receiver of Toledo. And that's the guy the Broncos are really high on. Yep. Okay, okay. And Jalen Hurd. I like those two guys. Those are, man. Oh, now are they I low have enough a... that you want to wait until seventh round? Do you think we might be able to snag one later? Yeah, that's true. That is very, very true. I also brought in Keyshawn Johnson for a visit as well. Okay, well, there, there's enough wide receivers ahead of them that I, I do feel comfortable that they'll be in the next round. And, I mean, I guess, hey, if, if this is how the system is, works, <laughs> this is how the system works. So uh, take advantage of it kind of thing and be able to get a high-quality player there in the seventh round. So I guess maybe then I, I would go looking at that inside offensive line or edge, one of the two, Okay, and, and kind of see. We look here. So some of the top guys, Lamont G- Galliard's still there. Uh, Zach Bailey's still there. 
So we have a conversation there, but we're 117 in. Okay. So I guess I better go quick here. I'm going to go with, I guess I better stick with my guy from last round, Zach Bailey. I'll keep pounding that table till we get that guy. I know he's he's probably low, so we could probably get him in the next round too. But I, I think again, he's that perfect fit. I think he can be a starter day one, and and the Broncos would be very happy about it. Okay, Eric, what are you thinking here? I'm with you, Carl. I'm not going to wait any longer. Yes, I'll take Zach Bailey. Now I would look at Lamont Gillard, Gillard, Gillard. Sorry, but he's just a center to me. He doesn't offer position versatility like Zach Bailey does. A guy who can play inside at center, who can kick out to tackle. So I'm going to go with the more position versatile guy. And also, Gilliard can be a little over-emotional as well, and it leads to bad things on tape. And so, again, I'm going to go with Bailey. Okay. Nick, what are you thinking here? I'm going to go with Lamont Gilliard, and I actually have a quote here from Joe Marino's last piece at the Draft Network here. And Gilliard, uh, Chad Forbes actually had the Broncos going with Gilliard in the third round in his most recent mock, and he's linked them heavily to Gilliard. And uh, here's the quote from Joe Marino. I've developed a connection at the University of Georgia, and I've heard really encouraging positive talk about Gilliard. Those in the program absolutely rave about him, where it's echoed by every single Georgia prospect I've spoken with along the way. I don't, hear, hearing, I don't recall hearing a teammate Garner so much ringing endorsements in terms of energy, leadership, work ethic. Gilliard is a touch undersized, but he has outstanding functional strength, mobility, agility, and consistency with execution. He does have to work on his weight distribution, but he seems like the type of presence in any locker room that any team would absolutely love to have. He has experience playing every spot on the interior offensive line, which is critical for any late day two, early day three offensive line prospects. He's not getting much buzz, but Gilliard is going to be a long-term NFL starter. He's my guy. He's seen. I, I like the aggressiveness on the tape. He's he's a guy that absolutely fits the zone center. Broncos need a guy there. I think McGovern's better at right guard. That's where I want to put him. And I think Gailiard, you know, you're at it, trying to add team captains. This guy was the leader of that Georgia offense this past year. So I'm going to go with Lamont Gailiard. Okay, so we have a schism here. Zach, do you have a preference leaning on the, the knowledge these guys have? And we can look at another position, too, if there's something that's on your mind. I, I would say Gailiard, but can you go to a receiver real quick? Uh, Johnson does stand out to me, Deontay Johnson, because the Broncos met with him. The Broncos love him. I think he'd fit this team with Scangarello and Flacco perfectly. Um, whether you can get him in the seventh, though, I don't know. But just to kind of go against the grain, I'm taking the wide receiver here, and I'm keeping, you know, adding to that offense and building up the weapons there and keeping the cupboard pretty stocked. So give me Johnson. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, the scheme fit that Carl and Eric are pounding the table for. We've been talking about Bailey for the last couple of rounds here. So we'll pull the tr- – I'll be the, the – the, well, it's already a majority, I guess, but I'm going to make it – well, no, I guess I could tie it, right, with Galliard if I went Galliard's way, but or with uh, the wide receiver. I will say this. If anybody's going to go undrafted, it'll be Bailey between the two. I don't think he will, but I think Galliard is going to be a guy that goes earlier than Bailey when it comes down to it. All right, just just for the sake of being copacetic, I'm taking Bailey so we can move on to the to the seventh round. He comes in, and you wanted Gailier, <clears throat> Nick, but yes. tell us what you think Zach Bailey would bring to the offense for the Denver Broncos. I think he's a very good guard fit for this team. He is going to need to work on his body composition. Uh, he's a good mover in space. Honestly, I watched Dennis Daly more than him. He did stand out. I think he's a good guard fit. He's get, probably going to need some time, a lot like Sam Jones. I do think he he does possess a bigger frame. I don't think he has the 
the nastiness on tape or the movement skills that I saw from Gilliard. I don't think he has as much upside as Gilliard, but he is more versatile, so I, I do like that about him. Okay. So we move on now to the final pick, the seventh round for the Denver Broncos. And I think, as Carl said, to start round six, we got to look at wide receiver or we got to look at edge. We've bolstered the offensive line. I'm going to go ahead and reset the clock here. The last two picks were Michael Dogby, the interior D-line, and Devin Ozigbo from uh, Nebraska. Uh, as far as the top-rated players, I don't think I don't know if we really need to go through that. You can tell me, guys, if you want me to look that way. But I'm going to go ahead and start the clock. The Broncos have pick number 237 in the seventh round. Carl, it's on you, my brother. Yeah, go go to wide receiver. I mean, I think this is going to be an easy pick for me. Okay. Deontay Johnson, he, he's a guy that he can be that burner type. He can be an all-around wide, wide receiver for you as he develops. He comes in day one and is a special team star for you. There's just so much that he brings day one, and he's one of those seventh round picks that I don't think he's. I, I think he's on the 53 man roster for sure, because again of, of what he does on special teams, and you can let him develop a year behind Emmanuel Sanders. I, I just I think he's a perfect fit for the Broncos. Okay, Deontay Johnson for Carl Eric. What are you thinking here? Oh, there you go. Can I take a look at cornerback. Taking a look at corner here. All right, so we got Donnie Lewis Jr., Blaze Brown, Montre Hardage, top three. Ooh, this is tough for me because I've actually been pounding Deontay Johnson, the hype train. I've been the captain of it for quite a while now, ever since I was, what, before the Senior Bowl when Cody Thompson, everybody was praising him and he got hurt. I went and watched him and everything like that. And Deontay Johnson's the one who absolutely caught my eye time and time again. But I also look at cornerback in Denver. I mean, if they are wanting to play some Kareem Jackson at safety a little bit, and who knows what Price Callahan's going to be coming back from his injury. Chris Harris, his future is unknown with Denver right now. And I see Donnie Lewis Jr., who's a great fit for Denver and what they want to do defensively. But it comes down to... We've gotten a lot of my boys this draft, and I'm so excited because in previous years, there's a lot of guys I pounded the table for that we haven't ended up with, and I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson. Okay. Nick, what are you thinking here, my brother? Can you go back to the cornerbacks? Yeah, I really do like Donnie Lewis's fit, and because we didn't take Jawan Thornhill, <laughs> man, I just I feel like you would like a cornerback there. I mean, the uncertainty of Chris Harris Jr., what is Isaac Yadam going to be, Bryce Callahan has an injury history, Kareem Jackson, I've been told by Ben Albright, mark in Kareem Jackson at safety, not cornerback. But with all that said, I like Deontay Johnson. He's higher on my board, and I think he has a chance to be a highly productive player in the league for a long time. And Denver met with him and was very much intrigued by him. So I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson as well. Okay. We got three for Deontay. Zach, what are you thinking here? Is a chance to get that burner, or you want to look somewhere else? Can you just go to running back real quick just to humor me? You want to see if Bryce is there? I do. Bryce my boy. Right oh, Bryce Love. Um, I, I don't. He would be great running back insurance, great special teams player. Uh, but yeah, you got to get the burner and the best value on the board. Like I said last round is Johnson. So give me him all day, and that offense is set uh, for the short and long term. Okay, I'll go with the consensus here too. Though I'll just throw it out there that Penny Hart is there as well. But Penny Hart and Bryce Love. Let's face it. If this is how it shook out in reality in the draft. 
you're the Denver Broncos. You're pretty confident at pick 237 that you you have a pretty good chance of getting on the phone as soon as the draft ends and probably being able to get one of those two guys to come to Denver if you were that into him. So I'm going to go with consensus here. I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson. And that rounds out your Denver Broncos 2019 class. Now here's the last thing we'll do, guys, and then we'll close out this this episode because we've gone long and it's been great conversation, and I'm sure our listeners are going to love this episode. But I want to go around the horn really quick and just you guys kind of tell me what you think this class brings to the table, the, the pros, the cons, any weaknesses, spots you think we might have missed and neglected. And uh, we'll start with you, Carl. We've done it throughout tonight's proceedings. But your overall reaction to what we just selected as the Broncos 2019 draft class. Well, I, I think the the main thing with this draft is you're looking at 2020 and saying this this class is going to be amazing. You're looking at that 2020 year saying the Broncos could be one of the the sneaky better teams in football, especially if Drew Locke pans out, but Jeffrey Simmons getting in there, top five player. I mean, it just it's it's crazy value with those kind of guys. I the only thing I don't like about this draft is a little bit of not going offensive line earlier, but it just that's the way the board fell. It just they that never quite were there. You're looking at defense here with those second, third, fourth round picks. I, I just wish there could have been somebody. I, I I keep hoping either Reisner or Lindstrom or somebody falls there to 41. That's maybe wishful thinking on my part. But getting Zach Bailey, getting Bobby Evans, I, I feel a lot better about about the offensive line and what they have to work with, at least getting some developmental guys there. And But uh, no, I feel very good about this draft. Again, it's not going to be one that everybody's going to be hoping for in 2019. But 2020, I think people are going to come around and go, wow, Broncos were pretty intelligent. Okay. Eric, the Broncos got their quarterback of the future. They got their five tech of the future or nose tackle, however it would shake out for Jeffrey Simmons. They got their strong safety of the future. They got their... Mike Linebacker of the future, potentially offensive tackle, tight end, wide out. They bolstered the roster here, but as Carl said, it's looking like 2020 dividends. It is. It's definitely a draft that you are looking a year ahead, which is perfectly fine for me. Sometimes to move forward, you got to take a step back. Denver, I think that John Elway really needs to realize that they aren't going to compete this year. They aren't, not with their schedule. I mean, unless Joe Flacco comes out and have has an MVP-like season, it's not going to happen. Go get that quarterback of the future that you can work with and develop. Go get that defensive lineman that you can go and work with and develop. The Broncos' offensive staff is built on is built with guys who want to develop their players. You have a offensive tackle who's a little raw in technique that could potentially develop into a left tackle in Bobby Evans. You have an interior offensive lineman that can be developed in Zach Bailey. And Zach Bailey could be a starter this year at right guard. Foster Moreau, who can needs his receiving ability developed a little bit. Jermaine Pratt, who needs to be developed in, against the run. And Big Vangio is an excellent teacher when it comes to teaching linebackers the technique and the fundamentals of the position. Deontay Johnson, you have an immediate replacement for Emmanuel Sanders if they decide to move him this year, which I've heard is still up in the air. So they do a lot, and it's not just – a pick for next year. You get a lot of key pieces that are going to be able to go get experience this year as they are building and growing for next season. Okay. Nick, what are your thoughts on this class? I'm going to keep it 100 with the Broncos as far as this class and everything. The Broncos are going to have a hard time being contenders until Patrick Mahomes is off his rookie contract. 
That's just the nature of the game. He is the best bargain in football by far right now. It's not even close. He might be one of the best top five quarterbacks right now. And until he's paid that big money, Broncos are going to be looking up at, the, up at the Chiefs, period. So what does that mean? Broncos need to find their quarterback. They need to start planning and get that guy developed and start planning towards 2020, 2021, 2022. They did a good job being competitive this year. But, man, you get, it's I'd rather be thinking about long-term championships than short-term playoff contention. So getting a guy like Locke, you know, you have a chance to develop him behind Joe Flacco one year, two years. You can create a heck ton of cap room next offseason, which could be a lot of fun. Jeffrey Simmons could end up, I mean, 10 years from now, looking back on this class, if Jeffrey Simmons ends up being the best player from this entire draft class, I would be 0% surprised. Monty Hooker, great scheme fit, will be an impact player day one. Jermaine Platt, great scheme fit, will be an impact player day one. I do think Evans can compete at guard, if not swing tackle, which the Broncos need. Moreau's going to help the run game. And Bailey and Johnson, I think, also can be day one players. So this this draft class, I mean, even though Broncos, you know, how much credit they get for last year's draft class, who really made a big impact last year on that team? Bradley Chubb, top five pick. Cortland Sutton was solid, you know, not incredible, but solid, like most wide receivers take a few years. Royce Freeman, you know, okay, but Philip Lindsay was more impactful. And then after that, I mean, Josie Jewell, okay. So, you know, your first year draft class, typically they're not going to make a huge impact year one. It's about year two, three, four. So overall, I like this class. You know, we don't have enough picks to hit every single need. Edge depth is a concern with me. You know, that's something that we didn't touch on at all. Cornerback depth is a concern. But again, more needs than there are draft picks. So you got to make do with how the board falls and getting Drew Locke and Jeffrey Simmons alone. If those guys pan out, this team is sitting pretty going forward the next half decade. Okay. Zach, what are your thoughts on this class? How can it affect the Broncos in 2019 and beyond? It's hard not to like it. I mean, you you got the number one quarterback on your big board. You got him without having to trade up. You got a top 10 talent, as Eric said, in Jeffrey Simmons in the second round. Finally, that transcendent defensive lineman to stick between Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, which sounds incredible. You have your offensive tackle or guard of the future. You have your tight end of the future. You have your burner of the future. So you're set in 2020 and beyond. But in the here and now, even though they won't compete, they still have day one contributors in Hooker, in Pratt. I mean, you're still going to get some production this year. But I agree, whereas 2018 was all about, you know, that instant impact, those day one starters and contributors, 2019 is about 2020 and beyond. It's about the future. And if it went this way, Elway would buy himself way more time, extend that rope a little further by finally having that young franchise quarterback potentially on the roster and they can start building behind them. And no matter how he feels about Joe Flacco, he's still 34. They have to have a succession plan in place. They haven't had one since Chad Kelly uh, went to that Halloween party. So they they ought to get the guy now. They got you know he's enamored with them. You know it it just meshes with the system. I love this hall, and it would it like you know, Nick said, next half decade or so if they pan out, uh, they're going to be contenders uh, consistently. Okay, well that's going to do it for today's War Room Roundtable of the Huddle Up Podcast. You guys make sure you're following. Most of you should know how to find everybody on Twitter, but just to cover our bases, you can find Carl Dumbler on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH. Eric Trickle, at Eric Trickle. Nick Kendall, at Nick Kendall MHH. Of course, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman 24-7, and myself, at Chad and Jensen. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, too, at HuddleUpPod, and also make sure you're following the Building the Broncos account, at BTB 
pod, football pod, excuse me, at BTB football pod. They just had a great episode on Wednesday with Dalton Reisner, a projected top 40 pick. You're going to want to go check that out. Most of you will have already listened to that, but if you haven't, go check that out. Also, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Leave your creative review. Give us that five-star rating so that we can get to our goal of 200 reviews by the draft. That's one week away. There's still a shot for us to achieve our goal of 200, so take some time and get that done. In the meantime, we will be back with a fresh episode for you on Friday, either Huddle Up Podcast or Building the Broncos. We're not quite sure yet how that's going to shake out exactly. But in the meantime, you guys, be good. We'll talk to you then. For all of my great, great, great analysts here that appeared on the show and my partner, Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.